As unrest and protests against police brutality and racial injustice continue, and COVID-19 cases continue to rise in California, many people want to hear from state and local leaders about how they're working to address these issues of racial injustice and public health. Holly Mitchell has been a California state senator since 2010. She's also a candidate in the 2020 election to represent District 2 on the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors. Christina Pascucci recently spoke with Senator Mitchell on a number of topics, including the coronavirus pandemic, its impact on people of color, law enforcement funding, race relations, and more. Here's Christina's conversation with Senator Holly Mitchell. So in the midst of fighting the coronavirus, being a mother, responding to her constituents' needs in recent weeks following the death of George Floyd, marching for equal treatment, and working on California's budget, Senator Holly Mitchell somehow found the time to sit down with us virtually and discuss how one pandemic really set America up to fight another, the pandemic of systemic racism. It's ironic how things happen. I think what the... What the um virus reminded us was that racism really is a pre-existing condition. And so what the virus did was remind us is how many people are really living in very fragile states, be it their body, be it their community, be it, you know, um, their, their their jobs and, and the greater economy. And so, um, yeah, I think it, it, it magnified for many um, how fragile far too many communities are for, you know, for no reason other than their race, class, or gender. And let's talk about that, how, how people of color were disproportionately impacted by coronavirus. How has Sacramento reacted to that? Uh, I think what Sacramento, like, like, like local government and many, um, government agents have responded is, um, recognizing that we've got to do better. We've got to do better around data collection. We have to do better with invest targeted investments um, um, to meet the needs of these communities. We have to do better uh, in communities that don't have, um, you know, access to um, food that are still food deserts. We have to do better in communities that need access to community-based health services and regular, consistent, preventative health care. We have to do better. And maybe, just maybe, we are finally primed to start doing better when it comes to systemic racism. Many have said this movement sparked by George Floyd's death at the hands of police feels different. It um, has fed my soul. I don't think I've said that yet Mm. in terms of the number of conversations. It's fed my soul because it really kind of gives me hope that there are a generation and communities of people who were so deeply moved, offended, infuriated by what they saw that it has compelled them into action. And it has compelled them into sustained action to find community, to find their voice, to to want to seek information, to educate themselves, and to really affect substantive structural change. People across different races are hungry for information. Local bookstores have waiting lists by the thousands for books about racism, like Just Mercy or How to Be Anti-Racist. 
people are hungry and reaching out, and I think that's a good thing. You know, we've got a couple of bills up in the legislature, for example, um, around ethnic studies, you know, uh, requiring that it be a part of core curriculum and core requirements at both the high school and collegiate level. Um, And so really trying to make sure that people have accurate fact-based information um, about our history and about how we've come to this place that we are, because it's not by accident. Um, It's, you know, it's been calculated, if you will. And if we're going to ever successfully beat back white supremacy, supremacist ideology, people have to be informed and educated. Mm-hmm. That that was something that has shocked me throughout my journey of, of educating myself is uh, listening to, you know, a podcast like 1619 and her describing Thomas Jefferson's relationship to slaves and how his mm-hmm. half-brother was in the room when he was working through the Constitution and just like things that you never learn about in school. Right. How can that, how can that, how did they miss that? Like, how, how did they take that out? It, it, it wasn't by accident. Let me, let me start there. There are those who continue to attempt to enslave us through their policy, through their practice, through economics. Um, it really is powerfully meaningful. And I hope those are the lessons people will take away from this moment in our history. Mm-hmm. Well said. Um, big item in the news has been defunding police. Do you have anything mm-hmm. that you'd want to share on that and where you stand and, and what that term really means? Well, you know, as you um, talk about uh, uh, reading and, and educating yourself, uh, the book I'm currently reading, because I heard the author on NPR, uh, Alex um, Vital, The mm-hmm. End of Policing, where it really helped me, you know, conceptualize kind of what I've been thinking and, and recognizing that, that, that fundamentally the job of the police is to uphold the law. Mm-hmm. And the problem we've experienced is that many of the laws are biased in and of themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And so we, we acknowledge that policing has become really more invasive and aggressive and intensive in recent years. And so what he suggests in the book is that we rethink why we as society have changed the role in our expectation of police because we've turned over to them responsibility for so many of our social issues. And so case in point, my home county of Los Angeles, the previous sheriff was very vocal in acknowledging that the LA County Jail is probably one of the largest mental health facilities in the country. Mm -hmm. And because we don't as a society have anyone to call when we see someone who's having a mental health crisis on the street, who do we call the police? Where do they go to jail? The, you know, the fire department and the police in downtown L.A. will tell you their number one calls are people who um, are high, are unhoused, and need help. But who do people call? We call law enforcement. And so we have to figure out, I, I appreciate the notion of redirecting resources from a um, police department that we've perceived as growing more invasive and aggressive uh, and intensive over recent years. The question is, what will we fund in its place? And if we honestly look at the percentage of their time dealing with these social problems, then we better redirect those resources into some kind of appropriate, therapeutic, community-based response. 
With the resurrection of these deep-rooted emotions and pain, it seems many have forgotten about the coronavirus threat that's consumed us for months. I asked Senator Mitchell about that and how lawmakers in Sacramento are reacting. We are still wearing masks, uh, even in our own deliberations, where we are social distancing on the Senate floor um, and being and bringing forward every precaution. It is clear to me from all of our public health officials that we are not out of the woods. And I think that there may be some, you know, disagreements. Some feel, well, when the summer months come and it gets warm, we'll be safe. Others are concerned about when flu season returns. And so I believe we have, con- we have to continue to make sure that um, protective gear is available, that we're continuing to do testing in areas that um, we know are disproportionately hit by the virus. Um, We have to make sure that our essential workers continue to have the protections they need as nursing home workers, as child care providers, as frontline workers in the health field uh, um, and, you know, in food service and the grocery workers. And so uh, it's not gone. Um, You know, until we get a vaccine, we will continue to have to be forever vigilant. Public service runs really deep for Senator Mitchell. She's currently running for L.A. County Supervisor because she says she wants to give back to the community where she was born. My parents were social workers working for L.A. County Department of Public Social Services. In fact, that's how they met in the early 60s, maybe actually late 50s. And were social workers in South Los Angeles um, during the Watts insurrection as my father insisted on referring to it Hmm. in 65 i was born in 64 my mother used to tell the story of putting some of her co-workers on the floor of her car to drive them out of watts to get them out safely uh and so i grew up with these parents who were working in so were in social work um in south la after that period of time a significant investment from the federal government from philanthropy to really talk about, you know, waging a war on poverty. And so I grew up hearing about these institutions that were born out of that insurrection. You know, King Hospital, um, which is now Martin Luther King Community Hospital. Cal State Dominguez Hills was born uh, out of that. St. John's Well Child and Family Clinic, it's a series of community clinics, was born out of the Watts um, uprising. And so... It's ironic to me that here I am, 50-plus years later, um, returning to local government to bring my personal life experience and professional life experience to the supervisorial district that has been plagued with underinvestment and have consistently been victimized by... Um, anti-blackness, anti-brownness, and white supremacist ideology. Being a mom to a black son, what do you tell him? Well, it it was ironic. I was talking to him uh, when you called. He called me. And, you know, if you're the mother of a teenager, you know, when they call you and they want to talk, that's when you talk because it's not, you know, often. (laughs) 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 He will be 20 in August Mm. and um, I uh, he on his own chose to go to a protest um, uh, Saturday before the first Saturday Mm -hmm. Um, and we talked about it and I asked him why he chose to go what he hoped to get out of the experience and he talked about a conversation he had with a member of law enforcement and how he told the officer um, 
how he feels being a young black man and that and that he's afraid when he walks out of the door every day. I remember the expression on his face um, having a conversation, you know, I think as a high school senior, when you, you class, you go through that um, experience where, you know, you know everything and you don't want to be told about, you know, what your whereabouts and all those kind of things. And me saying to him for the first time that I was afraid every day he walked out the door and the expression on his face when he looked at me, because he didn't know that. He didn't understand that. And how hard it was for me to hear, hear two, three years later, that that's his same feeling himself, that we've gotten to a point in this world that he, as a bright, charismatic, you know, young man who has his whole future ahead of him, is afraid. Mm. And that I have colleagues who have children his age, and, you know, the only difference is the color of their skin, and that's not their reality. That's really painful. That's painful as a parent to know that he has to carry that. I think these young people standing up, telling the police that they don't want to be over-policed or abused in their community. Um, uh, Kaepernick, who took a knee. People who were ahead of their time. My hope is that we all find um, um, our, our, our space, our inner voice today that doesn't go away when the cameras do. We have to figure out how to be courageous and do the right thing even when no one is watching. Senator Mitchell will face off against Herb Wesson in a runoff election for L.A. County Board of Supervisors 2nd District in November. In the spirit of fairness, we hope to have Herb Wesson on next week's episode. For links and more information, head to our website, ktla.com slash coronavirusweekly. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen. We'd love to hear from you on social media. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at KTLA Podcasts. And Christina is at Christina Pascucci on Instagram at Christina KTLA on Twitter. We'll be back with a new episode of Coronavirus Weekly next Friday. I'm Bobby Gonzalez. Thanks for listening.